Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This hour of the Garage Logic podcast brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. Oh, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media. John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Uh, emailer Tim says, Joe is correct. We are going to get to the point where we can't talk to each other. Let's start with uh, this fellow, shall we? Hmm. I just, this is. If it weren't so true, huh? The International Studies Association has rejected the appeal of a professor who was found responsible for violating its code of conduct after he jokingly requested that an elevator in a conference hotel be stopped at the lingerie department. Richard Lebo, a professor, at a professor of international political theory at King's College London, responded by saying he would meet with his lawyer and expects to file a defamation lawsuit. Lebo, who had threatened to sue the association unless it found in his favor, did not immediately respond to a question about who exactly he'd sue. The association's lawyer, in a letter, uh, relayed its decision that no steps would be taken against Lebo if he offered an unequivocal apology. To Simona Sharoni, a professor of women's and gender studies at Merrimack College who filed the complaint against him. If he does not apologize, the letter said, the association will issue a formal private letter of reprimand. The incident that sparked the uproar happened in April in a crowded elevator during the association's annual conference at a Hilton hotel in San Francisco. Okay. The... Uh, conference uh, by the International Studies Association. Ah, mm. fun. The incident that sparked the uproar happened in April in a crowded elevator during the association's annual conference at a Hilton in San Francisco. Sharoni said she had offered to press the buttons for the floors where the elevator's occupants, uh, for the floors of the elevator's occupants, who, who she said were mostly male conference attendees. Lebo asked for the women's lingerie department and others in the elevator laughed, she wrote in her complaint. Lebo has disputed details of her account but conceded joking about being let off on the lingerie floor. When he learned she was upset, he said, he tried to resolve the dispute informally as he believes the association's conduct code encourages. 
He wrote Sharoni an email saying he wasn't trying to make her uncomfortable or to insult women. He suggested that Sharoni, who was born in Romania and raised in Israel, might have misconstrued his remark. And he said that it was a standard gag line when he was growing up in the 50s to pretend to be in a department store and ask the elevator operator for the hardware or lingerie department. (laughs) Right. That's funny. Who hasn't done it? That's funny. In an email after the uproar began, he told the Chronicle that Sharoni was trying to impose her definition on my words, take needless offense, and use it as an excuse to make a complaint and put a chill on free speech and humor. Uh, wow. That – remember my elevator humor? Would I, would I be in trouble for that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Inquiring yeah. about Dave Dahl's uh, visit those to the doctor. Yeah. yeah. You get those uh, – of those crabs? <laughs> he didn't think it was that funny, but I was laughing. Isn't that something? It was just a joke. Isn't that something? We're doomed. Oh, you're not doomed yet. You're going to be doomed worse than that. I guess we're staying abroad. Leeds Trinity University's journalism department has requested that lecturers avoid a uh, plethora of offenses out of fear of intimidating or frightened students. Some of those offenses include writing in capital letters, which could scare students into failure. Shouty caps. Can't use capital letters. The United Kingdom school's memo was obtained by the Express and published uh, today. A portion of the memo read, despite our best attempts to explain assessment tasks, any lack of clarity can generate anxiety and even discourage students from attempting the assessment at all. Lecturers are also encouraged to write in a helpful, warm tone, avoiding officious language and negative instructions. The memo's intent is to enhance student understanding, engagement, and achievement, and also suggests that professors should avoid overusing the words do and don't. Wow. Do and don't. How do you, uh, I don't know how you would go through a class not using do or don't. One Leeds Trinity staffer told the Express that they don't agree with the new policy. We have some excellent students, but it's a constant battle against a system that wants to treat them like little kids. The the unidentified staffer said, according to the outlet, we are not doing our students any favors with this kind of nonsense. Of course you're not. Another added that the new policy is nothing more than academic mollycoddling. A spokesman for the university told the outlet that the move was an attempt to provide guidance to professors on explaining assignments to students so that those, so that those students could ascend to and perform at their highest level. And they might be frightened by capital letters. <laughs> might as well stay over there, huh? Might as well stay over there. All right, what else you got? Uh, not that that's not big enough. A secondary school in northwestern England is barring expensive designer coats in an effort to eliminate poverty shaming for students whose parents can't afford those items. Parents of students at Woodchurch High School were reportedly given a letter from the school that stated pupils will not be permitted to bring in Canada Goose and Montclair coats after the Christmas break. Pyronex coats, which carry a similar price tag, are also prohibited. So if you get a nice fancy coat, you're because someone might not be able to afford it, 
you can't bring it to school. About 46% of the school students are considered low income. Uh, for example, the school provides free sanitary products and limits backpacks to a certain type, so parents aren't pressured to buy ones that are more expensive. They feel stigmatized. They feel left out. They feel inadequate. Head teacher Rebecca Phillips told The Independent. Woodchurch is an open admission co-ed secondary school serving 11 to 16-year-olds, the Washington Post reported. It's also a Church of England academy and cites a Christian ethos as part of its learning environment. The school also strives to celebrate diversity, well, of course they do, and make everyone feel welcome. Hmm. Canada Goose opened its first flagship stores in Toronto and New York in 2016, and its coats are hardly the preserve of iconoclast explorers, according to the Washington Post. They're ubiquitous in well-heeled circles, prompting backlash and making the coats a potent symbol of vexed class dynamics. (laughs) Wow. Uh, There's two wows there. Why somebody would spend $1,000 for the Canada Goose coat is, is one question, just to say, hey, look at how successful I am. Uh, I, I, your me- my measure of your success is not which coat you wear. No, I don't. I don't see. That. Well, let's go to Canada. Okay. America's uh, hat. Yeah, America's mm-hmm. cap. Uh, <laughs> uh, high schools can be tough for anyone, and students from poor backgrounds have the added anxiety of struggling to keep up with their wealthier peers. And then it cites the uh, Woodchurch example. Uh, in England, banning uh, Canada Goose and Montclair coats. Uh, and now, apparently, these coats cause inequality between students. Uh, okay, so now we're... Uh, 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 I thought this was tell me that this was done in Canada also. Uh, the blacklisted coat sells for as much as 1200 bucks. a cost many parents will struggle to afford. There's been feedback from children who say, gosh, that's our rent for the month. Uh, she said her attempts to poverty-proof the school, which has students between ages 11 and 16, has been well-received by parents. I guess I'm still talking about Woodchurch. But... <laughs> oh, I see what I, I misunderstood the headline. High school bans Canada Goose and Montclair jackets. It's the same story I just read you. I apologize. Oh, I, thought, okay. I thought this movement had <laughs> spread to... Uh, uh, schools in Canada. No, it's the type of jacket that's banned in, in the Woodchurch uh, situation. Canada Goose and Montclair, M-O-N-C-L-E-R. I'm f- I'm not familiar with either of them. Uh, they're pretty, they look good. I mean, they're nice, and they have the little seal on it which says, uh, I've got a Canada Goose, I've got an expensive jacket on. But hasn't there always been? Uh, in the 80s, wasn't it Guess or Benetton, the colors of Benetton? That was always expensive. You had the... Um, uh, the uh, Lacoste, the uh, Alligator. Mm-hmm. You know, you had P- Ralph Lauren. I mm-hmm. mean, it's always, there's always high-end stuff. And you know what? I remember in grade school, all my friends had the leather Nikes. Uh, Mikulski's got the canvas Nikes. Yeah. So, you know what? <laughs> uh, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, a something that shut right. me down. I, I didn't re- care. I, I could go way back. I can go to the 50s. What do you got? I distinctly remember... That the, my my immediate neighbors, the guys who I went with on Halloween when we got yeah. the booze, yeah, they got the shoes that were very popular at the time, probably driven by Elvis Presley, where the tongue had a mechanical hinge. The tongue of the shoe, you'd 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 really you'd you'd flip open the tongue of the shoe, and that's how you got the shoe on and off. What? And then when when the when the shoe was on your foot, you'd flip the tongue down. 
But I had to have a pair of those. Wow. That's, the only, that's the only item I can remember. Lusting uh, after or? The, 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 the picture, the tongue of the shoe. Yep. Uh, Having a, a hinge, mm-hmm. and and you you would f- at the at the at the base right where the the toes would be. No, uh, right about in the middle of your foot. Were they called okay. TCB shoes? I have no idea. This is a long time ago. Well, that's why I'm trying to look this up. Well, I don't, I don't know I... if the Google would even have this. Oh, they got them. In your and I I don't even think it was a matter of price. Uh, I don't recall what shoes cost in 1958, for example. Were they comfortable? Yeah, but it, it was the it was you were you were hip. You were uh, okay. You were a real young Elvis Presley greaser type if you had these shoes. But the tongue flipped open and closed. I can still see yeah. it in my mind's eye. So it was like I a, can't remember, by the way, if I ever did get a pair. Hmm. Well, they didn't make because that. because money would not have been the concern uh, under our roof. Not that there was it. Right. Right. But the concern would have the concern would have been that the the statement the shoes made. Now you're too young to be making that statement. I don't even know what the uh, statement sure, was. Sure. Um, in your in your time with the uh, prosthetic shoes, mm-hmm. did uh, was there a brand <laughs> that you really lusted after a certain my clown, were, my clown shoes? Yeah, your clown shoes when you. Was there a certain style? What were you no. going for there? Was no, it the when money you, when issue? You're, when you're into the uh, orthopedic uh, footwear, yeah, what, uh, there's really not a lot of style at, uh, available. And you're basically wearing the Harry Potter cloak of invisibility. <laughs> yeah. It makes you become invisible. Oh, I, I, I told you the story that I, I painted in them, and uh, they were splattered with orange paint. Yeah. Oh, and, my God, I found them. Did you? What are they called? Rockabilly? That's probably right. Look at this. Are they I'm gonna, here, I'm going to pull. I'm going to bring this into the other room. Right. I want to see I'm if I look found at rockabilly it. shoes. So I got orange splattered paint over my orthopedic shoes. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I was wearing them because I broke a couple of toes. <laughs> yes. And then and I remember. There's really not much you can do for Is a that broken. It right there, bro. That's it. My God, do they still exist? Huh, Reavers? Oh, Answer I'm, me. I'm guessing so. I found it on a website. I'll be damned. That's them. That's them. See how that tongue flips open and shut? Are they comfortable? I, I don't know. I make a nice living. Yes. So I'm wearing my orthopedic shoes uh, with the orange paint on them. They look just like clown shoes. And I'm with a buddy, and we're waiting. I don't know where we were, but a couple of attractive gals were at the next table, and they looked at my shoes, and uh, they thought... I wonder if, if if he's being accompanied around. <laughs> yes, I think they were. Yeah. I think they probably thought you had a handler at that point. Could I get a pair of these rockabillies at like Chet's? I don't know if they still exist. I don't know if they still exist. They, man, they they don't look. Well, I guess I don't know. Maybe they are comfortable. Well, let's 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 not drift away yeah, from no, them. no, right. If 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 the same mysterious thoughts apply to prohibiting. What jackets children can wear in high school? Where would the Mysterians stop? Yeah. Th- th- where, where are they going to stop? This is the first of many, right? I mean, by their logic, if you're trying to avoid what they call poverty shaming, aren't they going to have to establish what cars a kid can drive to school? What shoes a kid can wear to school? Where the kid lives? Mm-hmm. 
see what the Pope said about wealth? You don't need it. It's in the hands of too few, and everyone else deserves it. And I'm not buying his. I'm not buying his. Ah, his uh, well, he ain't infallible when it comes to that beast. Right, right. I, guy's I just, a Marxist. That's when you can raise your hand and say, you know what? The guy's uh, a flat-out Marxist. Disagree. I disagree, Pope Francis. Yeah. Respectfully disagree. But, but but he would be right in line with this Woodchurch school saying he, he shouldn't wear those jackets that they're, if, if everyone can't have them, then you can't have them. You know who didn't believe that? Hmm. Pope Benedict. No, he had the patent he, leather shoes. Yeah, he thought, he? you know what? Uh, this Pope needs a nice pair of shoes. He had the red ones. <laughs> yes. I, he, was a, he was a fancy Pope. Well. <laughs> yes. He was, uh, he, he was a little fancy. He didn't buy into the, you know what, let's. Uh, is he still around? Yeah. He's just living in the, in the attic, huh? I don't think he's in the attic. I think he has a, has a home somewhere. I got you. Okay. Bring back the deuce, man, huh? The deuce. My guy there. rocked it. Yeah. He showed everybody how it's done. I guess I, I guess it just I, I guess it just wouldn't bother me what coat you wore to work today. I, I really wouldn't care. I might not <laughs> no. even have noticed. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly right. And that's but that's throughout the rest of life. Some people drive really nice cars, mm-hmm. some people drive crummy cars. And you know what? So what? It's who cares? Yeah. Does everybody want to have a nice car? Yes. Well then. If that's your goal, work hard, save, put money toward it, and, and the, you'll be able to buy the, it. The, the, the jacket ban is a really good example of why the Academy has failed. And it's failed because the main mission of the Academy now, whether it's a high school in England or a college in California or a grade school in Oklahoma, the reason the Academy has failed is because institutionally, they view their primary task as creating equity. They don't view their primary task as education. They view their primary task as creating, however whimsically or arbitrarily, a false sense of equity. And if they have to do it by banning Canada goose jackets, that's how they'll do it. Mm. They're not in the business anymore of educating. They're in the business of defining and then what they believe to be aiding and abetting the victims of what they construe to be inequality whether it's racism, whether it's financial, whether it's whatever, that's, that's, the, that's now the business of the academy. It's not education. Of course, it still is in pockets here and there. Of course, you can still get an education. But the underlying institutional premise of the academy and the reason that it's failed miserably is because their mission statement might as well be, we're not here so your kid learns about chemistry and math. We're here to create an equality that we think doesn't exist and should. That's why the academy's failed. So too much time is spent on this BS, jackets, in lieu of helping children learn how to think. The academy has failed because it's telling the children what to think. And that's bled over to uh, city council saying... We're also going to tell you what you eat too, what you can't buy. Absolutely what a you good link. Eat. Absolutely a good link. You're right. Where are these people coming from? They're coming from the failed academy. Mm. What favor are you doing a student at Leeds University by accommodating the belief that a capital letter 
might provide some anxiety to a student. <laughs> That's outrageous. And don't use the words do or don't. Why? Yeah, why not? What's, what's wrong with do because or don't? It, because in the eyes of the Mysterians, that sets up a power situation. That no one should be in a position of telling you to do or not do something. They are their, their daily task is to wipe out competence and achievement and replace it with a falsely introduced idea of what constitutes equality or equity. If we weren't allowed to use the word do, how would former Vikings cornerback Jabari Price have asked, do Lieutenant Dan have legs in real life? Yeah. One of my favorite questions ever asked by a professional athlete. Do Lieutenant Dan have legs in real life? Oh. No, they found no, they found they found an actor who just could play that role because he didn't have any legs. All right, perfect. It was yeah. a Gary Sinise. And, he got and, his legs amputated. It's amazing. For the role. Halfway through the movie, he lost his legs. Right, right, right. He got them amputated just for the role. He oh. wanted to really be in character. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. <sighs> the failed academy. Oh my god. It's just. It's just. Uh... I think it's an offshoot of the failed academy too. That you have therapy animals. Uh, at the airport now in New Orleans, you can you you can uh, uh, visit a therapy uh, alligator. Huh? Yeah, they got the alligator there. My wife and I flew home from Arizona yesterday. Mm -hmm. Did woman. you have any therapy needs? Oh yeah, there was a woman on the flight with no. a uh, with a therapy dog. Well, the dog, okay. The dog was fine though. The dog for the most only barked a couple times during the flight. Really? Mm -hmm. I usually don't. What what was? What was her situation, do you think? Was she elderly? Was she... Uh... Uh, she was probably in her mid to late 50s, I would guess. Mm -hmm. I think she was flying by herself. Mm -hmm. um, she just needed it. Well, maybe it was her dog. Maybe, or... It had, I... No, it had, the, it had the flak jacket with oh. therapy dog on oh, both sides. Yeah, yeah. She went all out then. Oh. This isn't the dog that took a crap in the seat. That... <laughs> no. That that happened last oh, week. I guess a guy had to frontier. fly around They've sitting in. They made him sit in it. Sitting dog poop. Mm, say nope. Mm -hmm. You got to get a cover or something for me. <laughs> I would not. Hell nah. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. I'm I'm lucky when I think back of all the times I've flown. I've never had a an incident like that. Uh, I what, guess it's only the strange ones that make the news, huh? Yeah, and animals don't always accompany you know every flight. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, your your chances of having an animal are greater, but it, I don't think they're great every time you fly. No. Says my friend at the airport. Sure. Say, my pillow him. inventor, Mike Lindell. Yeah. Uh, he's got a great new product, yep. the mattress topper, the my pillow mattress topper. Three unique layers designed to provide superior support. Distribute body weight for the ultimate comfort and regulate your body temperature. And the best part about it is you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to get a new mattress. The mattress topper will rejuvenate your mattress. And, Mike, it's a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee, seven sizes from twin to Cal King. And Mike uh, Lindell has also got a great offer for GL podcast listeners now through December 31st. You can save 30% on any my-size and I'm sorry, on any size my pillow mattress topper and get two my pillow standard pillows when you uh, use the promotional code GL at checkout. Go to mypillow.com, click on the mattress topper button on the home page, 
and enter the promotional code GL at checkout. We noted the other day that Schwann's, the Minnesota grocery company, yep. was sold to a, a South Korean outfit for $1.8 billion. Yeah. I got a couple of great notes on Schwann's. The first one is from uh, Tom Boorboom, the Candleman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joe, heard you talking about the sale of Schwann's the other day. I had to relate a short story. First time Tom the Candleman gave you a dozen golf balls with my logo last fall. Yes, you did, and I've lost every one. Of course ah! he has. <laughs> my mother and father are from the Marshall area and went to high school with Marvin Schwann's. One of my father's first jobs after high school was running a gas station. The Schwann family owned a restaurant in Marshall and made ice cream to sell in the restaurant. One day, Marvin drove into my dad's station to fill up an old van he was driving. Dad asked, what are you up to, Marvin? Marvin was known as an intellectual in high school. And as Patrick says, you can't put up with that in high school. (laughs) So Marvin tells him he put an old freezer in the back and filled it with their ice cream. He's going to go out and see if the farm wives would be interested in buying some for the guys as a treat. My dad said, good luck with that, Marvin, and had a good laugh with his friends. Marvin, of course, had the last laugh on all of them. He was worth about $400 million when he died. Yeah. The best ice cream, though. Not even close. Oh, it's fantastic. Everything. Cream. I love the Schwann's product. Uh, Chad writes, disclaimer, although I was raised in Marshall, Minnesota, I've never been employed by or involved in any capacity with Schwann's. As GLers are definitely students of history, you may find this worth sharing with those who follow your podcast. I enjoyed your mention of Schwann's on Friday. Actually, it would have been last Thursday. We didn't podcast Friday, and we were remiss in telling listeners that. Yeah, right? I'll, uh, I'll say I got a few emails, yeah, boys. I'm sorry about that. Ravers, what you do at the podcast, dummy? <laughs> I enjoyed your mention of Schwann's on the podcast. Their history has been one of remarkable success, coupled with an intense loyalty for the welfare of its employees. Much of the employee base in the Marshall area is of Belgian descent, and their work ethic, almost legendary, certainly played a significant role in the impressive growth of the Schwann's brand. Marvin Schwann started the company, like so many other entrepreneurs, driving an old, beat-up panel truck, delivering milk and ice cream right into the waiting arms of each and every housewife who signed up for their home delivery, which still continues to this day, which gives some corroboration to the first email. Right. That Marvin uh, put a freezer in the old panel truck and started peddling ice cream to, to uh, farm wives out in the rural area, yep. right? Last Thursday, business news outlets around the U.S. reported the $1.8 billion sale of Schwann's to a South Korean corporation. 20% of the company will be retained locally, and for many who live and work at the Marshall, Minnesota production facility, a huge sigh of relief can still be heard echoing off farm silos and the big red barns that dot the local countryside. I won't try to describe their whole journey in this note, but instead give you just one small example of how committed Marvin Schwann was to the local souls who helped build this company. In 1974, Schwann sustained a massive fire at their Marshall, Minnesota facility, shutting down production for well over six months. They had very seductive offers to relocate in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or Salina, Kansas, just to name a couple. On paper, at least, it wouldn't have taken more than 30 seconds for any accountant worth their salt to realize that a move to either of those locations would have saved Schwann's considerable corporate taxes and operating expenses, such as workman's comp and the like. Further, these communities offered very attractive tax increment financing on real estate purchases should Schwann's build in their industrial parks. 
Tempting as it was, Marvin Schwan and his board of directors quickly decided that Marshall Citizens had helped build the company and Marshall is where they belonged. Nowadays, it's hard to find this kind of corporate loyalty. For those interested, here's a link to a more detailed Schwan's history. It's worth the read. And it's www.schwanscompany.com slash about us. That might be worth the read, huh? I think so. I know minimum six guys that have worked at that company for over two decades. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love working for that family and for that company. Uh, Well, he... Must be a hell of a loyal guy, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rookie. Sea salt caramel cashew ice cream from Schwann's. Yeah. Really? You want one? I might order a couple two. here. And the cookie dough. Can we get it delivered to the station? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait That's... a minute. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me. Yep. Check this out. Mm-hmm. You mean down. to tell me you, you can go on the interwebs right now mm-hmm. and order, and Schwann's will bring it to your house? You want yes. a, How many pints do you want? I don't want any. I don't need ice cream. Pot roast is really good, too. Pot roast is fabulous. You don't eat ice cream. It's been a while. I have nothing against it. It's not a health thing. I I don't like the concept. I just don't like like dessert. Why do you not like dessert? I I have dessert in the morning. That's what I have with coffee. (laughs) You are so up. I I was at a big event yesterday following the confirmation of about 48,000 kids at the cathedral. 270. 270. Yeah. And uh, they were serving uh, for dessert some wonderful uh, raspberry thing. I don't know what it was. You dummy. But a piece was brought home for me, and that's what I had with my coffee this morning. So there. I ate it. I love it. I just don't like dessert at dessert time. Yeah, you know. I like it at a different time. Speaking of that, we were sitting next to each other in the cathedral. Yeah. uh, and I was really hoping you were going to, hey, I was waiting for the, why don't the Mikulskis, why don't you join us? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to buy Gabe and the sponsor and the family little din-din. And I even, I even texted that to you. We did, we, yeah. None of us went out to dinner. We had dinner at, at the home of the confirmed. I would have taken, taken that at that point, yeah. too. You know, you know what it was? What? Italian wedding soup. Ooh, have you ever had it? Oh, yes. You've it's never got had the it? meatballs right in it. That's not meatball. It's sausage. Sausage. You've never had it like I had it. Well, thanks for now for taunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, offsite correspondent Jordy said he heard this from Mark Stein. There are over a third of a billion mega million lottery tickets sold a few weeks ago in Florida, and they knew, I'm sorry, everywhere, I guess. There were over a third of a billion mega million lottery tickets sold a few weeks ago, and they knew within minutes which tickets were the winners. Florida has less than 8 million potential voters, and they still don't know, although it's been resolved now. <laughs> You have to wonder if this is incompetence or an intentionally designed breakdown of the voting process in order to help delegitimize the process and demoralize voters. That's been my suspicion. Wow, that's a great point. No American institution has been more tampered with than voting. But but he's right. They, the, the lottery results are, we got them. Yep, uh, we got uh, two winners. And Peter Book writes, in an early podcast, shortly after the switch, an emailer lamented the lack of internet in, if I remember correctly, a European cathedral. For those who are so inclined, however, it is possible, at least through iTunes, to download podcasts in advance. Thanks to this feature, I have successfully been listening to our local fireworks commissioner as I wander through Bolivia. At the moment, I am in Copacabana listening to the podcast from the 14th of November. For the next week or so, until I return to the frozen tundra, the mayor has a listener in South America to add to his collection. Peter Book. Very cool. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? 
Hey, uh, Joe, really quick. Yeah. You know how you would have got sucked in with the Schwans deal? Well, I, I don't follow you. How? Well, because they, they would home deliver. You know, they, you would set up a schedule. Yeah. They gave you a, because my old man was a sucker for this. They gave you the sticker. Yeah. The little Schwann oh, sticker yeah, that the... you put on the calendar. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. Schwann's day. Do you have AM or PM delivery? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. They yeah. got it down to a science. You got yeah. to play office. Yeah. Uh, a lot of your delivery guys, uh, big listeners. Big uh, listeners oh, yeah. of oh, Garage yeah. Logic. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they're downloading the podcast. I don't want to be done yet. I have more material. I good? don't want to be done yet. Well, you have to be done. Well, yet. take take me to a break and bring me back shortly. All right, I'm going to do that right now. 2,440,000 injured and 35,092 dead. Those are the National Safety Council injury facts from our nation's highways in 2015. Are you letting your emotions get the best of you? This isn't a Formula One race out here, people. Federated Insurance reminds us that these are much more than statistics. These are your family members, friends, and neighbors. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Do you get anxious when you're driving? Not really any need to. Do you yell or honk at other drivers that make you angry? That's emotions taking over. Don't let your emotions take control. Do you uh, try to retaliate to even the score for another driver's actions? That'll never serve you any good. Stop it. The National Safety Council reports that aggressive driving plays a role in 56% of fatal crashes, and emotions cause the aggressive driving. Don't become a statistic. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Make it home safe tonight. You know, I'm not often surprised, but I'm surprised by what I'm about to tell you. You're surprised by the item that you have just taken off the spindle. Uh, Ford wants to eliminate the new car smell from new cars. No. Isn't that the point of getting a car? That's that's the joy of it. I love getting in that new car. I'm even at the auto show or at the dealership. Mm -hmm. I'm just, yeah. They're going to bake the car smell out of the car. No. No. How, How, explain uh, the process described in a patent application involves parking the car in the sun, opening the windows slightly, and optionally turning on the engine, heater, and fan in order to get rid of the new car smell. This is the latest attempt in an industry effort to accommodate consumer tests, I'm sorry, consumer tastes in different parts of the world. Uh, consumers in China, for example, say they hate the new car smell. Well, too bad. Right. That's just that, Don't eliminate, don't with, bake my car. That just goes with the deal. Unpleasant interior smell odor remains a top industry problem in that market, said Brent Gruber, Senior Director, Global Automotive at J.D. Power. To put that in context, it is nearly double the problem rate of the second most prevalent problem, excessive fuel consumption. Consumer feedback from Chinese buyers in recent years has been consistent. More than 10% of uh, drivers complained about the issue, according to the 2018 J.D. Power China Initial Quality Study. I'm beginning to get more relieved here. I don't think they're going to bake the new car smell out of the American car. Ah, okay. Yeah, we don't want that. Americans seem to like it. When I go online, I can find 30 different products that will give my car that new car smell, said Brian Moody, executive editor at Auto Trader. And now they've come up with something to limit it? I agree with this guy. This is terrible. Uh, China is the largest car market in the world, so car car makers take notice. Hmm. Uh, Ford made headlines in July 2017 for counting on a team of recruits to its Chinese research labs. 18 testers, or so-called golden noses, 
charged with making sure new cars don't smell like new cars. Chinese car buyers are particularly sensitive to the smell of their new cars. They place unpleasant smells ahead of engine performance or safety as the top reason for not buying a new car. Come on. What is the deal? It's the whole point That's of getting outrageous. a car. Yeah. My complaint would be the new car smell doesn't last doesn't long last enough. enough. No, once you get in there, you get your stuff in, you get to McDonald's and start smelling up the car. Smell testers assess the odor of every item in the car from floor carpets to the steering wheel, rejecting anything that may offend a Chinese buyer. Uh, yeah, well, Cataract? I'm not going to f- hell with them. It's China. A Lincoln. I'm not worry. Maybe it's a Lincoln. <laughs> Cadillac you, or what, Lincoln? What, what are you doing now? What kind of car, Chinese car is that? Cadillac, Cadillac or Lincoln? Cataract. Let's stick with cars. Okay. The stories of heroism are starting to emerge from the California wildfires. Yes. Where still so many people probably will never be identified. Yeah, that's what is so eerie. Missing. These people are missing. In the wake of so much terror and loss, one man has committed an incredible act of bravery in an effort to save lives. According to New York Times reporter Jack Nickus, a nurse named Alan Pierce drove straight through the raging flames in order to help set up a makeshift hospital. Pierce manages the uh, ICU at Adventist Health, a hospital in the town of Paradise, which has been virtually destroyed by the fire. After assisting with the evacuation of the hospital, he and two colleagues hopped in their truck and tried heading for safety, but quickly became engulfed in flames. Alan held his coat against the window, a futile guard from the intense heat, and put on Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes to calm himself, Nickus wrote. He recorded a goodbye message to his family, just in case this doesn't work out. I really want you to know I really tried to make it out. I think I'm done, Pierce told the uh, New York Times. Uh, I just kept thinking I'm going to die in melting plastic. Pierce got lucky. A bulldozer knocked a burning truck out of the way, and he managed to escape. But instead of heading for safety... He drove straight back to the hospital to help the injured. There, doctors and nurses had set up a makeshift hospital in the parking lot, treating dozens of patients as the fire raged around them. Mm. When the hospital caught fire, they managed to move everyone safely safely to the hospital's helipad. In spite of the fact that these unbelievable efforts undoubtedly saved these people's lives, Pierce doesn't consider himself a hero. This is what we do, he said. Any nurse, any healthcare worker, any cop, they were here and they all did their jobs. We're terrible at burning to death, but we're amazing at taking care of people. Pierce's family is one of many residents who lost their homes to the campfire. To help them rebuild, you can, there's a donation here. Well, it was a Toyota, looks to be a Toyota Tacoma pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, the paint is burned off the doors. The lights are melted. Uh, wow. The glass was starting to melt. And he kept fighting his way back to the hospital to help. Uh, I'm going to give this to Phil Mackey. Doesn't he advertise for Toyota? Yeah. And Jordy wants us to say uh, this should be turned into a Toyota commercial because it's got technology and stuff. <laughs> wow. Yes. But more and more of these stories will emerge. Uh going to be ages before they return to normal oh for sure but more and more of these stories will become evident uh, as time goes by it combines class winning and leading um you know technology and stuff with uh wi-fi powered by onstar well and and uh jordy said they should use that truck in commercials for toyota it's full of class leading technology and fire and stuff right <laughs> wow man that's uh heroism though isn't it <sighs> gotta do what you gotta do
I really... That's br- that is brave. That's the definition of brave. The only guy I know in Paradise, California, is our friend Sourdough Slim. And as we've noted, uh, he's just not prepared yeah. to speak about anything. I'm sure he... Welcome for that. Well, everybody in the town lost everything. It's nice. down to a... Right, it's down to rubble. It says the town was virtually uh, destroyed. Does that mean there's a building or two left? I, every what? picture I've seen is complete devastation. Yeah, maybe a chimney. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to check it out, you could probably bring it over to them. No, the chimney cleaners will come to you. That's why my ads never work. That's they'll why, come to I was you. always telling them that they'll come out to your house to clean out yeah. your chimney. Yeah. No, it's the other way around. But, okay, I got it now. GarageLogic.com. Is Thanks, GLers. Yeah, you bet. One Thanksgiving more week, isn't it? Oh, we got some good stuff coming up the next couple of uh, podcasts as Thanksgiving well. Thanksgiving week. Don't forget, we got to post my stuffing recipe. That's right. I got to go procure the supplies. Don't forget to rate us, garagelogic.com. Also, check out the features, the Greg, Hol- Greg Holcomb comics, as well as There's Office a new Corner. one. There's a new Holcomb posted. There is? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go right now, garagelogic.com. You are one click away from the next podcast. Don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes. We'll talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving, you turkeys.